The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks for being with us here on Radio Taiwan International for today's English language feature programs. Coming up ahead this hour, we'll have Ear to the Ground with Andrew Ryan and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes, hosted by Carlson Wong. But we'll get the day underway with Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan this Wednesday, December the 26th, 2018. I'm Charlie Stora, sitting in the host chair today, joined in the studio by Paula Chow. Hello. Hi, Paula. And Shirley Lynn is here too. Hi, Shirley. Hi, Charlie. Hi. Well, today we're going to be, we've got some news from Taipei Zoo, uh, where their panda, Tuan Tuan, has been given a new tooth in a world first and the zoo's going to also be going to be opening a new rainforest area quite soon. We'll be hearing about how Pingdong, uh, a town in New Taipei known for its tea plantations, has been named in one of the 100 green destinations and the story of a kid who asked his dad for some sneakers for Christmas. These stories coming right up. Okay, Paul. Let's start off with um, with this story, since uh, it's December twenty sixth, and we're actually recording on December twenty fifth, Christmas Day. Uh, Christmas, though, not a holiday in Taiwan, and so there's this story uh, has come to light of uh, a kid who asked his dad for some sneakers for Taiwan, and his dad was like, "What? What's Christmas? Never heard of it." Right. <laughs> or it's a bit more complicated than that. I'll let you explain it. Right. And this father, this guy, he posted something on Facebook saying that um, his son asked him to buy him a pair of, um, you know, a pair of 160 US dollar sneaker. It's a brand name product. And the guy said, well, I mean, I can't believe that because when he said when he was young, if he asked his parents, I need a 40 um, US dollar a pair of sneakers, you know, he would be scolded by his parents. Yeah, well, when he was young, $40 then was probably 160 today, was it right. not? Right, <laughs> Still, 160 US dollars still, you know, it's, well, I, I wouldn't say it's so expensive, but it's still, you know, it's quite pricey. And then he said that, well, and you know, um, he brought his um, son to, um, to a shoe store and they, his son wanted something, it's a brand name products. Now, he doesn't want a regular pair of shoes. And then, you know, some web users are saying that, well, I think um, you should um, teach your son that, you know, there are better gifts than, you know, a brand name product. And also, this one is also too expensive. Mm. Is part of the issue here, is it a cultural thing? Is it that they just don't, in their family, they don't have the habit of giving gifts at Christmas? Is that part of it at all? Um, and I think not really a, a culture thing. I guess some parents w wouldn't mind, you know, celebrating Christmas, even if they are not Christians, but because we still have, you know, Christmas spirit in Taiwan. Mm. But the, I guess the point is the price, 
I guess. And also, I think the son is making use of the fact that it's Christmas Day, mm-hmm. even though that maybe their family doesn't really celebrate it. But uh, he's using it as an excuse, like, "Dad, it's Christmas, and I want." You know, I want a nice gift. Mm, you know, a mm, nice mm. pricey pair of sneakers. Yes, well, kids uh, from yeah. where in the West have been doing that since time immemorial. Immemorial. Well, not immemorial. <laughs> since Christmas became a holiday, yes. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And also, you know, some people are saying that maybe because uh, the kid is under peer pressure, like you know, maybe other parents give their children some, you know, precious gifts. Mm. Yeah. You always, as a kid, you don't want to have. You don't want the the off-brand shoes. That's that's the thing. You know, the other kids have the brand name shoes. I don't want to be the only kid in the class who has the, you know, the uh, the the no brand. Okay, Shirley, tell us about a little bit about the uh, town of Pinglin in uh, New Taipei and why it's just been uh, recognised. Yes. Well. This uh, Pinglin district of New Taipei City is known for its hillside tea plantations, like rows and rows of just green, you know, beautiful tea plantations. And it's been named as one of the world's top 100 green destinations. And the award is going to be handed out at one of the largest tourism events in the world, which is the ITB Travel Fair in Berlin uh, in March, not until March. But uh, anyway, this is according to new uh, to Liberty Times report. Um, so 2018 was actually the fourth year that this uh, Dutch-based foundation made a selection of global tourism destinations uh, based on criteria such as sustainable development, social, cultural, and economic conservation, and environmental protection. Now, this, um, uh, you know, this Pinling district, actually, the new Tabby Tourism authorities have been trying to design travel packages centering on learning about the area's tea culture while using environment, uh, environment-friendly utensils doing outdoor activities such as uh, riverside picnics and treks to admire the sunrise, apparently. So it's a great place to go for sunrise, maybe to watch the first sunrise of the year 2019. Who knows? But anyway, so, um, yeah, a little bit about this Pinglin district uh, in its background. It's a rural district of uh, southeastern New Taipei. It is the third largest district of New Taipei City, and it's located in the mountainous area connecting to Ilan County on the east coast. And Ilan County is very easily accessible from Taipei because of the uh, the snow tunnel, right? And so um, it's just next door to it. Um, Pinglin is part of the water district of the greater Taipei area, as uh, because of the fact that Fei Trade Dam is located uh, in the neighboring Shiding district, so land development is restricted. So Pinglin is most known for producing the Bao Zhong tea. Yes, I'm sure you've all tasted that Bao Zhong tea, which is a type of oolong tea. Is it? I Am think I right? it is. Yeah, I think uh, so. Right? It's oolong yeah, tea. It's, uh, yeah, it's oolong tea. Um, and so you know, it has the uh, Pinglin Tea Museum, which apparently is the world's largest tea museum. <laughs> really? Yes. The world's largest tea museum? Yeah, in Pinglin. Yeah, so in Pinglin. And um, over 80% of Pinglin residents are actually tea growers or in some ways involved in the tea business. So there you go, very green destination. Very good. For its green plantations, uh, tea plantations, yes. Okay, Paula, let's uh, go back to you now. And Taipei Zoo, it was, uh, I think it was uh, around about, it was nine years ago, wasn't it? It was around about Christmas 2009, I think, 
or December 2009, that the two pandas, Tuan Tuan and Yuan Yuan, uh, arrived in Taipei. And now, uh, Tuan Tuan, getting on, in, he's become a dad in that time, and uh, he's been, I suppose, getting on a little bit in age, and he's starting to have dental issues. Tell us more about this uh, story, which includes a world first in animal dentistry. Right, he actually has a dental problem. In early December, zookeepers discovered that um, his upper left canine tooth was bleeding and broken. And if, they, if, if, and if vets don't do anything about it, um, this could carry a risk of infection. And that, which also means the Tuan um, might not be able to break down bamboo with his teeth again. So um, Taipei Zoo decided to give Tuan Tuan a dental cap. It's a silver one. A shiny one. So if mm. you do visit Taipei Zoo recently, you will be able to find that. You know, you something. Can see the glint, the, the glint in his mouth. Yes, <laughs> we'll something. We have to start calling him Bling Bling. <laughs> yes, Bling Bling. The bling, bling. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, Taipei Zoo said that that's the world's um, the world's first um, you know a tooth cap for pandas, and the Taipei Zoo also called the operation a milestone in wildlife medical care. Now they have to. Um, um, uh, made a dental model for Tuan Tuan, uh, but fortunately, uh, with the help of um, the dentistry department of National Taiwan University Medical School, so um, Tuan Tuan has a, a dental model, and then um, the zoo ordered a custom-made tooth cap made of titanium. And then on Sunday, nearly 20 medical workers, including vets, dentists, they worked together to fit the cap in Tuan Tuan's mouth. It's a large medical team. And actually, a Taipei Zoo said, well, they receive special treatment because for um, small animals, it will be kind of hard to uh, make a dental model for them. But anyway, um, so um, all leading newspapers in Taiwan um, carry this story. And zookeeper, uh, zoo spokesperson Eric Cao said Tuan Tuan recovered right away after the anesthesia wore off. And a day after the operation, he was just like, as lively as before, munching on bamboo leaves again. Excellent. We've got another story from Taipei Zoo as well, that they're going to be opening there a tropical rainforest area. This has been some time in the making. They were expecting to open it in 2015, but it was, uh, it's been delayed. But it is finally now going to open uh, before the Lunar New Year in February. Um, it's, uh, it's a tropical rainforest area, includes indoor and outdoor exhibits. It's going to be 15 square kilometers, which is huge, 50, well, 15,000 square meters. So yeah, 15 square kilometers. Um, and the indoor exhibits going to be housed in a, in a building shaped like a pangolin. Like a pangolin? Okay. Yes. Really? Yes, you know, that, the pangolin's kind yes. of got, it's got that sort of the shell armor, armor yeah, doesn't it? Armor, yeah, yes. that'll be oh, very wow. interesting to see. Very close to the giant panda house, so uh, and it'll have 27 protected species on display, enclosures for giant anteaters, that's going to be one of the main features. There's a giant anteater which arrived from Singapore Zoo in August, so that's going to be a highlight of the area. There'll also be spider monkeys, slow lorises, macaws, jaguars, Capybaras, poison dart frogs, and siamangs. So it'll be just like a, just like a tropical rainforest there in there. Mm-hmm. Fantastic! Can't wait to see that. And away from the tropics, down to a very very cold place. Surely this is uh, some exciting news, a groundbreaking news from a team of Taiwan explorers. Tell us more. 
Yes, we're talking about、uh, two days just before Christmas.、Uh, news came from thirteen thousand kilometers away that Thomas' expedition team had reached the South Pole after enduring blizzards and temperatures of minus thirty degrees Celsius for nearly a month. And so the expedition team they hiked three hundred fifty kilometers to reach the South Pole at five a.m. on December twenty-third,、uh, becoming Taiwan's first expedition expedition team to have reached the South Pole by way of cross-country hiking. And、uh, one of the team members is actually a well-known ultra marathon runner, Tommy Chen.、Hmm. Yeah,、uh, you guys know him, right? Yeah, he won the Four Deserts Race Series in 2016, and also the Fire and Ice Ultra 250 kilometer in 2018. Well, the Fire and Ice is was in I- Iceland,、hmm. by the way.、Uh, you know where you go. Actually, normally people go there to see Northern Lights, but、uh, he was there trekking through、uh, along with the whole team, trekking through volcanic ash. Glaciers, steam, and bubbling mud pools. Yeah, and、um, very interestingly,、uh, when Tommy called home to tell his parents that mom, dad, you know, don't worry, I finished, and in the future I'm going to be able to overcome more challenges. To which、uh, <laughs> Chan's parents said,、uh, smiling, they said, "Don't take any more challenges. No, That's enough." Like, what challenges? <laughs> you, you've you've been to all of the driest places on earth. You've been to the South Pole. What what other possible challenges could there be? Really. I、you're going to、yeah. run along the bottom of the Atlantic or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe、Fantastic. they worry for his, you know, his、uh, health and everything. I don't know. But、uh, I wonder if he felt like the rest of the team was slowing him down. Oh you know, like, yeah, on, well, guys, be... I could have got there if I was by myself. I could have got there by now. Yeah, that would be awful. But apparently, I understand that people who are eligible to do like ultra marathons is when they have very slow heartbeats. Yeah, that makes them, you know,、uh, doing、uh, good for endurance kind of、uh, mm. long treks. Yeah, so Tommy Chen is one of them, and anyway, this team is going to start on their return journey in a couple of days, and they'll be back in Taiwan on January eighth. Well, that's all we've got time for for today's here in Taiwan. Thanks so much for being with us. Don't go away. We'll have ear to the ground with Andrew Ryan bringing you the sounds of Taiwan in just a moment, and then it will be Carlson Wong bringing us a selection of classical、uh, music in Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. We'll be back at the end of the hour to bring you one more thing before we sign off for the day. But until then, I'm Charlie Starrer. I'm Paula Chow, and I'm Shirley Lin. Stay. Tuned. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. International. Write us at PO Box one two three dash one nine nine, Taipei, Taiwan, ROC. ROC. Sometimes when I get caught up in my own life, it can almost feel hard to breathe. The best way to fix that is to escape. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, we leave the city behind, and I surround myself with different people, experiences, and sounds. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 ，an ear to the ground. 今天早上我们去钓鱼，也有人的那个钩直接掉下去，然后，然后他。<笑>
This is Watan. He's only about three or four years old, and he's telling me a story about fishing, about dropping a hook into the water and then getting pulled in by a fish. <laughs> to be honest, I can't tell if this is a true story or a figment of his imagination. And in fact, I think he may even be making it up as he goes. And the longer I listen to the story, the farther and farther away it brings me from my everyday life. <laughs> He's actually an excellent storyteller. And me and two other friends, all of us adults, were completely captivated. He's a tiny little kid, but he has these huge eyes and facial expressions to match. And he asks questions to make sure we're following along. And before we realize it, he's moved on to another story. And this one, it's about buying an ice cream. Uh. We're sitting in an Atayal tribe village called Nalua, up in the mountains of northern Taiwan. You can tell by the insects that it's nighttime. The huge mountains directly in front of us are shrouded in black. I am, indeed, far, far away from the stresses of my job and my life back in Taipei, and the people and the cars and the buildings tightly packed up against each other. This is a place where almost anything can happen and will, like my friend Leo pulling out a capone and playing a beat for Yao, the woman who lives in this house. There's no agenda, no deadlines, no schedule, and anyone can appear at any time. Yao lives at the end of a road at the top of a mountain, but the most unexpected things and people cross her doorstep almost every single day. After you stay for a couple of hours, you drop all of your expectations and just go with the flow. Later on, Yao's Indonesian caregiver shows us an app on her cell phone that she uses to sing songs with random people on the internet. Half of the screen shows her, the other half of the screen shows the other person, and they take turns singing a duet. And oh yeah, she, she's also dressed up wearing a wig and glasses. It's all part of the fun. On another day, we're sitting across the table next to the front door, watching a steady rainfall. Across the valley, a tuft of white clouds reclines lazily on the mountain. Even though it's drizzling, it's incredibly beautiful outside. A little bit later on, I make gingerbread cookies with the kids. Watan is sitting on my lap, and we're filming ourselves biting the heads off gingerbread men. You can't hear him because his mouth is full of cookie, but that's his sister next to us saying she's going to help us put heads back on the gingerbread man. An hour later, a truck pulls up and stops in front of the house. It's blasting a Josh Groban song, and I'm chatting with a South African guy. Turns out this was a campaign truck decked out with the names of the candidates in the last election. And as the year 2018 winds down, I'm reminded of how magical this all is, and how lucky I am to be able to remove myself from my world and escape even for a moment. But the secret is, you can find an escape anywhere. It's just that we forget. You just need to close your eyes and slow down your breath, clear your mind, 
place your worries on a shelf for just a few moments. It's a gift to be able to find it and sink into it. It's something I hope I can find more of in 2019 and something I hope you can find more of too. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. the beauty of Chinese and Taiwanese traditional music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. Hello and welcome to this week's jade bells and bamboo pipes. I'm Carlson Wong and on today's show we're listening to music, Dichi music, that's to say performed by a Singaporean musician, Chu Bun Chang. And the first piece that we'll be playing for you today is Tip Picking in Spring Mountain, which is a piece of Chidi music. And this music is based on a folk song called Xiu Xiang Tai or Embroidering a Perfume Pouch.
In Spring Mountain, performed by a Singaporean musician, Zhu Bunchong. And come and we'll listen to Hanging the Red Lanterns. This is a piece of Bang Di, and the composition is adopting some tones from the northern part of Shanxi Province. Thank you. 
RTI news, programs, pictures, and more online at english.rti.org.tw. Check it out. Check it out. And again, you're listening to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong in Taipei, and today we feature Di Zhi solo performed by Chu Bun Chong. Chu Bun Chong was born in Singapore in 1955, and he began studying Chinese music in 1968. He joined the Singapore Youth Chinese Orchestra and gave concerts in Switzerland, the Philippines, and Malaysia, and... Chu Bun Chong has joined the Hong Kong Chinese Orchestra and has traveled with the orchestra to Japan, Australia, Singapore, and so on and so forth. He has also been invited to perform by other orchestras, such as Taipei Municipal Chinese Orchestra and Singapore NTUC Chinese Orchestra. Di Zi is a kind of wind instrument and was long assumed to be brought into Chang'an, which is Xi'an today in China. But unearthed relics have shown that instruments of the Dija type were popular in China long before the Han Dynasty. And coming up, we'll listen to a classic. This is Spring in Jiangnan. This composition is in style of the Jiangnan or southern part of the Changjiang River music, and it has some flavor of the Jiangnan Sizhu or ensemble music from Jiangnan. And according to the composers, it is a piece that reflects. Prosperity.
This piece is entitled "Spring in Jiangnan," reflecting prosperity, which we very much hope for the year 2019. Thank you for listening. For comments and suggestions, please write to PO Box One Two Three Dash One Nine Nine Taipei Taiwan, and our email addresses are ti at rti dot org dot tw. This is also the last edition of Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes for the year 2018, and I'd like to thank you again for being so supportive of this program. And I do hope you will give me the same support in the coming year, 2019. And I'll see you in our next edition. Then, thank you for listening once again. I'm Carlson Wong. I'll see you next week. Until then, goodbye. Thanks for listening to our programs here today at Radio Taiwan International. Well, I'm Charlie Starr, back in the studio with Paula Chow and Shirley Lin, and we're going to leave you with one more thing. Now, Paula, as we remarked、uh, earlier in the program, in here in Taiwan, we're actually recording on the 25th of December,、uh, Christmas Day, in many countries. One professor. Um, along with、uh, calls where, for for Taiwan to be like a bilingual country with with where English is an official spoken language, there's one professor who's now saying that he thinks that Christmas should be a holiday in Taiwan. Right. I'm sorry. It's she.、Um, she is、um, finance professor. Thank you. Pardon. At, yeah, yeah. At National Taiwan University, she、um, published an article. You know. Calling on the government to designate Christmas as a national holiday. Well, she said that because、uh, I think she said most people have pleasant memories of their,、um, you know, Christmas when they were young. Like parents,、um, you know, they they open the the Christmas、uh, present in every. It's a family、um, get together. So, she, so do they though? 
Is is that a, a tradition in Taiwan? No, of, no, no. I mean, giving... no, I mean, in Europe and in, um, oh, in the Western North countries, America, okay. right? In North right. America. So she said uh, Taiwan should um, do the oh, same. Oh, is she is she uh, from a Western country originally no, no. herself? No, no, no. She's, she's not. She's from no. Taiwan. Okay. No, I mean, she's saying that, you know, in Europe or in North America, uh, people do that. And, um, sh- and she said that um, she's pretty sure that my um, children there will all have, you know, pleasant memories of Christmas celebrations and we should follow suit. And she also said... Um, a lot of Asian countries also designate Christmas as holiday, including Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, the Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, and India. She said, though, um, the good part of uh, you know designating Christmas a holiday is because we Taiwan needs to keep abreast of the whole world, and also um, we can boost um, domestic consumption. Well, she's mm. a, a finance <laughs> professor, and yeah. she said this is a really good policy, and she's calling the government to designate Christmas as a um, it's a holiday, and she also said a couple of days ago. Um, I, I guess maybe her department, or you know, uh, held a Christmas party for children. I mean, for children who are learning English right now. Mm. And she thought, well, you know, she thinks that's a great idea because the children, adults, they they celebrate Christmas. They um, they took pictures with Santa Claus, and then their presents for them. And it's a wonderful memory. You know, why can't Taiwan do that? It's a something global. We should follow suit. Is it global though? Because I mean, it's not going to—it's not going to be a holiday in uh, Muslim-majority countries, for example. Right. Uh, it, it seems an arbitrary reason for a way to sort of introduce sort of big part of, of outside culture. I, mean, I take the point about consumption, and certainly Taiwan and, and, and China, they don't have any problem sort of using the commercial appeal of Christmas. Yes. <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, you know, that's something universal. Um, it is very, very much commercialized here in Taiwan. I mean, with, um, you know, right after Thanksgiving, or, or even during Thanksgiving, they would actually put up you know, anything related to uh, to Thanksgiving, like, you know, the turkey and then the pumpkin and all that. And then right after Thanksgiving, they start putting out all these decorations having to do with Christmas at department stores and malls. So it's very, very commercialized. And, and I think some of the young Taiwanese people do go into the habit of uh, tradition of um, buying Christmas presents for each other, you know. And um, like my daughter came home the other day because they had a Christmas party. And everybody's just sending everybody else some kind of Christmas gift. And so um, maybe that's why. But come to think of it, I mean, Constitution, I mean, in the past, you, I think it was up till until what, 20, 20, 2001. 2001, 2001. Constitution right. Day was a, a holiday, mm. a public holiday up until then. And, and it's, it's like it felt exactly on the same day as Christmas Day. So everybody felt like, it, you know, the day w- was taken off because of Christmas, but... Yeah, <laughs> right. But I don't know whether or not our government will take, you know, this professor's advice, suggestion. Well, that's all we've got time for for today's programs. Thanks so much for being with us. Do join us again tomorrow when our programs will include Stroke of Light, Eye on China and Chinese to Go. But till then, I'm Charlie Starr signing off on behalf of all of us here at RTI, wishing you a very pleasant rest of your day ahead.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also, visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.